Livingston, Adventurer in Darkest Africa Robert Moffat, just back from Africa, was speaking before a large audience at Chipping Ongar, near London. The hall was crowded with enthusiastic men and women who listened breathlessly to his thrilling experiences in a country which was then an almost uncharted wilderness. And when he ended his address with a stirring appeal for men to go to vast and pagan Africa as missionaries, straight to the heart of a slim, dark youth among the crowd went the appeal. When the meeting was ended, he sought Moffat, with shining eyes and eager questions, and to his inquiries Moffat replied, There is a vast plain to the north, where I have sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages, where no missionary has ever been. Quick, the answer came, I will go to Africa. I was educated to be a medical missionary in China, but the war prevented me from carrying out my plan. Now I see why. I will go to Africa. And who, you ask, was this youth to whom Robert Moffat's plea meant so much? To answer the question fully, let us go back to the little village of Blantyre, Scotland, where on the 19th of March, 1813, there was born to Neil Livingston and his wife Agnes a son named David to whom the whole civilized world was in later years to pay homage because of his noble adventuring for the good of mankind. On the rocky island of Ulva lived for generations those rugged highlanders who were the ancestors of Neil Livingston, and in the veins of Agnes Hunter, his wife, flowed the devout blood of the old Scotch covenanters. So David had a rich inheritance of religious zeal, of courage, and of those qualities which had ever marked the Scottish nature as one of high ideals and unfaltering purpose. When the boy was ten years old, he realized fully the poverty with which his parents were struggling, and with manly determination beyond his years, trudged off to secure work in the Blantyre cotton mill, where every day afterward he was at work by six in the morning, ready to tie together the broken ends of threads as they came off the whirling reels on which they were wound. Despite the poverty of the Livingstons, David had inherited a profound love of education, and after giving half of his first week's pay to his mother, with the other half he bought a Latin grammar, over which he pored, keeping it propped up on his spinning jenny while he worked, reading a sentence whenever he could raise his eyes from the threads. He later bought other books, and in his hunger for knowledge went to night school, and often read so late that his mother was obliged to blow out his candle and order him to go to sleep. After eight years of faithful work in the mill, he was promoted to the position of a spinner, which was much harder work, but paid much better. As he worked, his thoughts ran in one channel. He had read about the work of a medical missionary named Gutzluff, who had carried to the Chinese help for their suffering bodies and the gospel story to heal their sick souls. 
David, with the blood of the old covenanters flowing fast in his veins, wondered what he could do for the ignorant and the sick in far-off lands. Then came the quick determination. He would go to China to do such work as Gutzlaff had done. How could a poor lad like himself get the proper education for such a career? It would be necessary to go to Glasgow to study. And how could this be accomplished? His parents heard of his ambition with wet eyes and thrilled hearts. If their son had such a God-given desire, in some way or other it should be achieved. After earnest discussion and planning, it was decided that by saving all his earnings through the summer, instead of putting them in the family treasury, he would have enough for a season of study. Then, on a winter day, when the snow lay like a glittering blanket over the Blantyre fields, David and his father set out to walk to Glasgow, with his mother's blessing.